I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday and that means it's Nerder. She Wrote. I'm Dave Dufour here with Seth Hartnell and Mo DeKeel as usual. What's up, guys? It was a What's shorter up, pause than usual. Yeah, you know, I did six That's seconds you, twice you rush? last week. That's a lot of dead air. And, you know, sometimes, you you know, people get annoyed. You know, they're, they're listening on two and a half speed and they're not getting the full effect of the pause. So I tried to let it hang for a little bit longer last week. And this week I'm just taking it back. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Seth caught the, the pause between Seth part now. Um, <laughs> then, and, and, and I think you were just kind of rationing the pauses. That was <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, guys, let's start out with our favorite things. Mo, what's your favorite thing this week? It is Luka Doncic passing, but not in the way that everybody just thinks. It's at the end of games in the way that he's, and I get it, teams are doubling him, so, but he's not forcing anything. As soon as he sees a double team, he gets off the ball. And you know what? The Mavs have found a way to get him the ball back afterwards. And even when that double team comes again, he finds the next pass and gets off it really quickly. We've seen a lot of stars be very stubborn about things like that and not trying to uh, kind of just, hey, they're trying to win the game. And you understand it, crunch time and things like that. I was really impressed by that from Luka in the game against Denver. You know, hits Dorian Finney-Smith with a behind-the-back pass when the double's coming. Bruce Brown doesn't rotate all the way. That ended up being the game-winning three. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that that he's really good about is cutting after the pass out of the double. He really he relocates really well. He cuts to the basket hard and he, you know, his touchdown there is a, is incredible. So he can create pressure even after he gives up, you know, the ball cuz the defense is so keyed in on him, especially late in games. But I think about the play from a few weeks ago where, you know, he he gets the double, makes the pass to to Maxi Kleba and Maxi you know, misreads his next read, right? And and so th- that that replay was everywhere. It was on TV. It was all over the internet, and it was a get Luca some help sort of cry, right from the from the audience. But the truth is, like he plays the right way. It's just can the other guys make the decisions? And so, like if you're the defense, you send the double in order to make the other guys make decisions. So it's nice that you know Luca is willing to trust his teammates a little bit. Uh, Porzingis this week. You know, had an interview with Jake Fisher, and he he talked about uh, you know how Luca it, it takes a certain type of guy to play with Luca, and I don't know that the Mavericks have you know five of those guys you know that that can be out there you know or four of those guys at a time that can be out there, but 
he's going to figure it out. Like he's going to find out quickly if you can play with him or not. It's hard to find those guys in general. It's just a hard high IQ players is not always something that's very easy around the league to find. And if they do, it comes very expensive in, in, in some places in, in terms of what the Mavs need. So, but that was my favorite thing though, Dave, just him passing yeah. at the end of games and not trying to force stuff up, which is something that we have seen in the past. I'm, I'm curious about like, that can be taken to take, takes a certain kind to it, that, that can be taken two ways. There's sort of, well, it takes a certain kind of player to play with James Harden. I mean, yeah, go stand in the corner and be okay with that. Or is it the, you know, the, is this sort of a mix between you got to be okay never having the ball, but you also have to know how to move and, you know, got to almost be able to, to, to process warrior style to play with him. Is that what he's saying? Those are, cause those are two very different statements. Oh yeah. I agree with that. Cause I think like we talked about this with Steph Curry, especially during their, you know, the season that, has been forgotten at this point because of the title, you know, those trying to find the Juan Toscano Anderson guys that knew how to play with Steph and could set screens and knew how to cut and, and things of that nature. And I think with, with Luca, you probably, I don't know if you could use the exact same personnel, but I bet it's a lot of crossover there. I bet a lot of guys that can play for the warriors could play with Luca. I mean, when you look at the guys who thrive with him, it's high IQ guys. I'm so but I've obviously been watching the whole World Cup and, and you listen to like commentary about it. And one of the things that's said about the Argentina, the Argentina is that, you know, the, the, need, the, the guys around Messi have got to do all the running for him. And it, it, maybe it's a little bit like that with, with Luca in terms of having, you're not standing, but you got to move intelligently. Yeah. I mean, it's a definitely, you can't be stagnant. Uh, Seth, what's your favorite thing this week? My favorite thing is a very specific play. Uh, about 11 seconds left, uh, Jazz down four against Golden State. They inbound, they, they run a play. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is like driving to the rim. The C's part because everyone on the Warriors except one player is like, you know what? A two doesn't hurt us here. Clay Thompson starts to wander off Malik Beasley of all people. And and even though he's, Clay is going to get nowhere near the layup, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is thinking, you know what? We need a three here and whips a pass out to Malik Beasley who buries a three and sets up the, one of the more improbable comeback wins of the year. Um, just, you just love to see it. You need a three here. And the player took the three, did not take the quack two. I'm all for it. Well, the end of that game was nuts. And uh, Mo, you, you, we were just talking before we started recording. You, you actually haven't seen it yet, but it is, it is going to break your coach's heart because it's, Purely, I don't just, think I want to watch the game now. The way you guys are describing this, like I don't. I, well, it's young I want players to watch doing you watch dumb the game. stuff. Well, it's young players doing dumb stuff for the Warriors, and then and then you know Kelly Olynyk just kind of falling all over the place and daring the referees to call anything and just making stuff happen. There's a, another sort of frustrating thing about that game is it's not that so much. Is this is the second time in. And I want to say the last two or three weeks where there's been like a, hey, that's good signs from from Jonathan Kaminga. And it kind of gets lost because the Warriors find a way to I think it was the, I think it was the, the the Mavs game that that really that really good Mavs game. They lost. It was like I think Kaminga had a nice game there, too. And it maybe gets lost a little because they find a way to to blow it. it. Yeah. Well, you know, the Mavs game comes to mind because Kaminga's defense on Luca, I thought was pretty good. And then last night at the down the stretch. 
the play that led to the Jordan Clarkson flagrant two, which, you know, I'm dubious on, um, I thought Kuminga's ability to navigate the screens out top before the play even really, you know, got rolling for, for Clarkson, before Clarkson started attacking the basket. They were trying to keep Kuminga off. Kuminga fought through multiple screens and then stayed in front of Clarkson, wound up getting a block. I, I thought that was one of the best defensive possessions that I've seen him have all year, especially on a small guard like that. So his versatility shows up. And like you said, it does get overshadowed because you know everybody else kind of makes some boneheaded plays. Um, my favorite thing, guys, is uh, it's Bowl Bowl, which I watched him so much as a rookie, you know, playing with the Nuggets. And you guys remember when they did the tall ball lineup? where they played him and Jokic a, a little bit. Um, that was extremely fun, but it's nothing like what he's doing in Orlando now. And I don't want to be one of the people who makes fun of Paolo Bencaro for mentioning Bol Bol and Victor Wimbanyama in the same breath. It's not that ludicrous of a, of a conversation to have. They do similar things. Now, look, Victor Wimbanyama, that guy, is he looks generational at this point. But with Bol, I would say... He has been an unknown quantity up to this point, and we still don't know. The jury's still out. I think there's no way to look at what he's done so far this season and not be impressed with it. But when you think about his career so far, you know, he had the injury at Oregon. That that came with him to the NBA. He went to Denver, and he was, you know, a distressed asset, let's say, you know, get, getting picked where, where he did. But... Denver didn't have a G League team to send this guy to, to go get reps, to go get minutes. And now, like, we're seeing him get consistent minutes. Guys, I'm impressed. He can play. I mean, we I think we knew he he had talent, but he actually can play. He put up another 20-point game, you know, last night in, in a win against the Clippers. And, I mean, this is he's playing against good competition, and he's balling, guys. He's a good basketball player. I mean, it's kind of that simple. It's it's. I think we should get – he's a good primer for what – we're going to see when Victor Webb and That's Yama a great comes. way to put it. In that, in that sense, he's a good kind of like, okay, so there's Bo Bull doing this, and then there's going to be Victor coming in and doing doing stuff. Let's see if it sustains. Let's see if he can do this on good teams. Like, yeah, Orlando won yesterday. Let's see if this is something that, hey, you know, they played a Clipper team that still trying to get PG and Kawhi Leonard back in the flow they played the other night, but still trying to find their their flow and rhythm and things like that. Let's see how he goes when he's on it. If he's on a good team, can you carry that over into winning? Because you, you can do all this stuff, but if you're only going to win 13, 14 games in a season, maybe 20, I'm probably shorting them a lot. It's, it's you're okay. That's nice. Can you do it when it matters? And let's, let's see. And I, you know, I think, I don't think Denver didn't play him because they didn't think he could play or anything like that. They didn't think he could help him win. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. I mean, he's young. It's it's actually more unusual than I think. Everyone wants to see the young toolsy guy. This is kind of what it looks like when "quote unquote" tools get turned into being a basketball player. Because I think that, that that's the thing that that Mo said could could play. Like he is he is he was had talent, but was more of an oddity. And has turned found a way to become an effective NBA basketball player um, by using those 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 tools, and not just well, I I can get this shot off, so I'm going to take it. But 
you know, knowing how to find spots, where to be, go to be effective. Um, I got a, a stat for you guys, by the way, on uh, contested Shocking shots. You have a stat yeah, on contested <laughs> shots under ten feet. He's shooting seventy-one percent on the season, which is um, one of the very highest such rates in the league this year. Um, which you know probably helps to be seven four, but still. Can I ask you guys a question? And and this is I'm going on a tangent now off the main topic. But when you look at Orlando's roster, is it possible to have a team that's too damn tall? Like, is that a possibility? I mean, you've got Franz who's 6'10". You've got uh, Paolo Bencaro who's 6'10". You've got Wendell Carter who's 6'10". You've got uh, Mo Wagner who's 6'11". You've got Bol Bol who's 7'2". All these guys getting minutes. Um, most of them seem like they can kind of play together in various combinations. This this is uh, John Hammond, like, just absolutely going full tilt right seth i mean this is i mean he's this is a roll of the dice one of these guys is gonna hit one of these guys is the next Giannis or or whatever um so i was like i love these are the kind of things that i really love this this makes me think of i did i did i did a pod a couple weeks ago with with david thorpe with 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 coach who's been on with us and Mm -hmm. and we were we were we were referencing uh uh uh, an earlier convo i think match i might have like a, a kind of a a hypothetical I posed posed in, in the book, which was who would win between five point guards and five centers. And I think with Orlando, we're kind of seeing almost some of the problems of the five centers. And it's not, they didn't design it that way. It's just all their guards are hurt and all their guards are always hurt. And uh, which, you know, is it's, its own set of questions, I think why, <laughs> but, um, but I think, can you be too tall? I'm not sure you can be too tall, but like, for as good as uh, for as good and multi-skilled as Franz Wagner is, he does not have guard skills, and it turns out those are important. Just, I mean, it it comes down to just everything Seth said, though. It's the skill level and the skills of what you provide and things like that. Victor Webemiyama's not a guard, right? No. He's not coming in and providing guard skills and things like that as well. In that sense, so you know, just you need to have stuff that makes sense and and the tools match. So yeah, if you get a if you had LeBron on there and it's six eight, six nine with, with basically a, a guard skills power forward, now you're now we're talking here like you can have that. But I think it's uh I think this team is just uh they they're a Cole they're Anthony freaks. away. They're freaks, they, we need man. a we need a rule it. we need a rule for like internet discourse for like you know how it, how it, how it uh, you immediately lose an argument the first time you invoke the Nazis or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like the first time you invoke LeBron for saying it's possible <laughs> to do this. Well, no, if you need to invoke LeBron, it's not. No, like, no, but it is possible because he exists. Yeah, no, no, but, he exists, but and it's it, possible. And, and hey, LeBron's gonna might be looking for a new team next year. Maybe he wants to go hang at Disney World, Seth. Anything's possible would, right now. See a low pay. I I, I really want LeBron to, to pick a fun place to play, but I don't know if it's Orlando. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to ask the question, are the Celtics peaking too early? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up to date first party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Okay, guys, you heard the topic before we went to the break. The Celtics are really good. They just, they absolutely destroyed the Suns. I think this game was in Phoenix. The Suns were not there. The Celtics are really good. 21 and five. Jason Tatum is probably the front runner for MVP a quarter of the way through the season. I would guess we're all in agreement there. And this team is doing it on the offensive end. And we know that they are a defensive juggernaut at full health. Still don't have Robert Williams back. Got a new coach this year. They look amazing, but are they doing this too early in the season? You know, you got to worry about what is this team going to look like come March, April, as they're trying to ramp up again for the playoffs, right? I'm, I mean, let me preface this whole argument by I am scarred by my run with the Clippers in the 2012, 2013 season, right? Like, we had an amazing de- December. Went undefeated. I think we won 16 straight games. The calendar turned over, and we sucked. The defensive intensity went down. Everything struggled. We get knocked out in the first round uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies. And Vinny Del Negro gets fired, all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. So I'm a little bit scarred with that. So I'm always worried about teams peaking too early. I don't know if that's the case with Boston. They're so damn good. They take good games that we think are going to be good games, and they make them boring. They ruin them for us. Take them off the national TV broadcast because they're screwing it up for us. I want good basketball games in that sense, and they're just crushing teams, and I think they're going to get better. They had no Al Horford last night. Robert Williams is you know, on his way back somewhere in the next two weeks probably, assuming everything goes well. So their defense even gets better. I don't even know if they're peaking at this point. I think you said you, you, you hit on the important thing. They are not going to keep playing this way offensively. They have, they have, you know, if you look at who's taking shots and, um, you know, kind of some career norms, they have five guys who are shooting 7.8 points higher than you'd expect from three or, or higher two guys who are, who are double digits higher than you'd expect them to shoot on, on, on threes. So that's going to, that's going to come down. But, 
that's not how like if they're when if they're a championship team they're not a championship team because they're going to be this like juggernauty offense they're they're going to be a good offense and with Robert Williams back they still have all the pieces they need to be you know not every lineup they're going to put out there is going to be as dominant defensively as they were last year but man they're going to have seven or eight guys that can still play that play that style of defense and you you marry that with what is now appears to be a flowing good sensible offense and i don't know if they're peaking too early i will say the one thing we haven't seen they haven't played a lot of close games so we haven't really seen if they're going to take the air out of the ball at the end of the games like they have done in the past that was the point i was about to make so and you're right seth the thing is they won't have to maintain this offense right because the defense is going to lift it up i keep going back to the move that they made over the summer and bringing in malcolm brogdon High-level guard play off the bench, and by the way, they have two high-level guards coming off the bench, both guys really good in the pick-and-roll, Derek White and, and Malcolm Brogdon. But bringing in Brogdon in particular has just made everything smooth. You're not running your second unit through Peyton Pritchard, who, you know, it, it, he was playing a, in a position way above his talent level. And now you've got Malcolm Brogdon, who is overqualified for the job and shooting the lights out again, getting to the basket because he has weapons around him and really just pace. Like he controls the pace of that second unit so well, and you can pop him in the starting lineup if you need to based on the matchup. I I think when we look back at this season, you know, as long as Boston doesn't flame out somehow or face an injury, I I do think when we go and, and sort of do an autopsy on how they got here, or, you know, if they're back in the finals, that Malcolm Brogdon pickup is going to wind up being the biggest, the the, the biggest key to this. I mean, I think we that, liked it when it happened. I mean, they gave up did, nothing but, from their rotation, and right. And I think that that uh, the, the thing you brought up is is the driving, the ball handling. Like that was an area where they, I think they were against Golden State. They were a little short last year, and he's not he's not the craftiest, but he's a guy who gets his shoulder in front of you and goes hard at the basket. And that's not something. Like they were a team that frankly was a little vulnerable to to ball pressure because they like to, you know, side to side dance, stuff like that, get into their handle, you can disrupt them. Okay, you get up on him, he gets the shoulder by, he's going. And that gives them just that little bit of of burst that that uh you know, for for someone who's not the the Uber athlete, um, it, it, he brings that. They they almost the, the the thing I really want to see more than anything else is who do they play in crunch time? Because he's a guy I think that should be on the court closing time of close games. Part of the reason why they needed me get into more close games is so that we, they can kind of start figuring that part out and that aspect out of their offense and how they're playing. But he's such an important piece for what they did. I didn't like it. I loved the trade when they made it. I just immediately was like, this just makes too much sense. The other thing in that Warrior series was they ran out of gas. Those guys were exhausted because their bench was giving them nothing. After, you know, it, it was really just their starters, and it was a struggle point at that point. So I think him coming off the bench had such another little boost for them. I think, like, I, I just look at this team, and I go, they are a very, very well-built team. And you watch them, and you just go, like, man, this is just put together. It's, it's how long can they keep this going? Well, you guys mentioned late-game stuff. They actually have they're in a, a position of luxury when it comes to late game. They can play uh stretch big Al Horford. They can play uh rim running big Rob Williams all by themselves. They can play them together. They can play 
uh, Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. They've got Marcus Smart that they could pair with, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. Of course, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum are going to be in every single lineup, but they've actually found some success with Tatum and and Brown as sort of their bigs. So I, I just think that they're going to they're going to be able to say, "Ooh, Derek White's got it tonight. We're going to go with him." And it seems like the vibes are great with that team. So I I, I don't know, man. Um, it, Joe Mazzulla is going to get Coach of the Year buzz because he stepped into this, and, and we, you know, our expectations dropped. For the Celtics, I, I think, you know, given given the shakeup uh, with Ime Odoka and um, frankly, they, they've overperformed where I think that they could be if Ime had been there. I don't no, I, I completely agree. And it's it's the steadiness. Like, I think that's that, you know, that that was something that I think served Udoka in good stead on the bench last year. Um, and I think it's it's from a, a, a personality standpoint, like. Missoula seems like he's very kind of, you know, very even. And I think that's a, that is a good, you know, in an NBA season, that is a good spot to have. Now, I don't know if we've seen, because everything has gone so well, I don't know if we've kind of seen the the steal from Missoula that, you know, you probably need at a certain point to like, hey, we're struggling, knock, knock that crap off or, you know, uh, a player gets frustrated or two guys get frustrated with each other. And there has to be like, while you're making every shot, you don't have those problems. So we haven't seen that yet, but you got to like what you've seen so far. I mean, winning cures all as, as Seth just kind of alluded to it. And yeah, it'll be fun to see what the Celt- what happens to the Celtics when they get some adversity and they will, it's a long season. And that's part of the reason why I was asking about peaking. Like, and I think, that's kind of the, the the question is, can you peak too early in this run? You know, we've had some teams. This is the exact opposite. This team last year was complete trash at this point of the year. We were all writing them off. This team's terrible. They come through in January and then get rolling, you know, and I think it's interesting there. And it you, you looked at a team like Phoenix, a team they beat the other night. They, not beat, destroyed, I think is the proper word, but. This was a team that was rolling all year and looked at their best, especially early in the year, and then fall apart come the playoffs. And I think that's why it's. I will be interested interested to see can they sustain the intensity level. We know the shooting is going to go down. We know all that's going to happen, but it's the intensity level that it requires to play at this level. Can they sustain it? Is it too early to start getting excited for 5 p.m. Eastern on Christmas Day? When the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics tip off in Boston at full health, at full health, hopefully at full health. Knock on wood, knock on wood, guys. Yeah. We got a few weeks it, to go to that. Like that's if, the game of the year. They're fully healthy. Yes, yeah. That's like the game of the year to me. It's the height of. It's going to be the height of bowl season, and that's like that's the NBA bowl almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Jason Tatum and, and Giannis who are both just playing at a ridiculous level. I mean, Giannis put up 35 last night, and even on the ding, we were just kind of ho-hum about it. You know, this is just who he is. Um, what Tatum's doing, obviously, a little bit more new. I, I, let me let me ask you guys. Am I going over the top here? I didn't feel this with the Suns last year, even though their regular season was awesome. This Celtics team has a little bit of that 2014 Spurs vibe to me, where they, they are very obviously trying to prove something 
in in just about every game. Jason Tate, I'm telling you guys, something has clicked for Jason Tatum. And this guy, he's doing every and he's setting screens. He's doing everything that it takes to actually be, you know, the best player in the league. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying Boston's gonna win the title, but they're probably my favorites right now. I know that's easy to say they're the best team in the league as we sit here, but I like everything that they're doing. Mo, I think we talked, you and I, I think talked about this earlier in the week is I think Tatum had a play where he went to the basket, kind of Eurostep, flew by the basket, missed, fell down, flailed, and like threw his arms up at the ref and didn't get all the way, getting, getting back on defense. And it's like, I was struck by, you know what? I haven't seen a whole, as much like they, they talked to that. They, as a team talked to the refs a lot, but haven't seen the, I'm going to take myself out of the play to yell at the ref stuff nearly as much like that last 10% of stuff. That was what got them in their own way. We've just seen less of it this year. I, I think the important thing, Dave, to your comp though, I see it in the way they're playing in the sense of the very business-like in the way that Spurs team kind of approached things. The differences, like the Spurs had been there before, had been to championships, all that, that whole crew and things like that had won before. What I love about this team is, though, it's like they learned a lesson. Because when you watch their offense, it's actually very Warriors-like when the Warriors were really good and at their peak. Like in terms of the movement, the cutting, the the ball movement, they go one-on-one when they have to, but they don't overdo it. It's it's a lot of just uh, that stuff in that mix with everything that they're doing. So I think that's the the thing for me is they took the lessons that they learned in the in the finals and are applying it now this year. And and I just want to see it stick the whole way. That's my biggest, that's only my only concern. And that's a great problem to have if you're the, the Celtics. Can we keep playing at this rate is, is the Can question. Can we keep being versus, the best offense ever? Yeah, versus, I mean, versus like, what the hell are we doing? Why are we so terrible? Why is this miserable to watch? Like, such a drastic difference from where we are from one year to the next. I just like that we have been proven correct. In that if you run good offense with good players, you get good results. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then we're coming back to discuss the future, possibly being right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we spent a lot of time on this show talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the New Orleans Pelicans. And usually when we're having these conversations, including in the run-up to this season, we discuss them more of a next year they're going to be a problem, two years from now, man, this is a title team, maybe, or a conference finals team. 
and the league is going to belong to them in three to five years. Guys, as it stands right now, Cleveland is the three seed in the East, and they look pretty good. New Orleans is the one seed. Memphis is the three seed out West. Both of those teams look great. Uh, Is the future now? Are these teams already here? Like, are, are they contenders to you guys? Like, legitimate finals contenders already? Memphis, yes. New Orleans, maybe. Cleveland, no. Let me ask you this question before you say anything else. Yeah. Is it because Cleveland's in the Eastern Conference and you have to get through Milwaukee and Boston? That's part of it, but Cleveland doesn't just, they're, they're, you know, they're the young team that's a couple dudes short. And I don't really see any, like, the, the spot, the guy on their roster who's going to emerge. Like, the fact that Dean Wade is a bit, ba- Dean Wade's been a good player for them. I, I will not stand for Dean Wade's no, slander. No, 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 but that he's a big miss is right. like that's that that tells you a little something like if he's like hey you know he's a pretty good you know pretty good at eighth man who comes in off the bench and gives you something and might swing a playoff game but if he's like man we are we are in trouble with dean wade out i think that that's the difference i i think the the real thing for me with cleveland is i actually think cleveland's closer to the contender than not and i and, and i get the one spot with Dean Wade, I get the whole thing. They need a three and all of that. But let me just ask it this way. When you look at the way the team's constructed and and assuming good health, how much of a better Dean Wade do they need in that sense? Because you don't want a guy that needs the ball in his hands a ton because he ain't going to get it. It, it makes with, your team worse. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you don't want – you, you want a guy like, okay, Dean Wade – do we need like a guy that's 20% better than Dean Wade or do we need a guy that's like 50% like what's the, what are we talking about here? I think they're really close in that sense and we know it's being a long season but just watching the way they close the Lakers out and I get it Lakers all that stuff but the way they close the Laker game out and Donovan Mitchell just took completely over and they have another guy that could do that in Darius Garland. I think they have great defense in in with Jared Allen and and Evan Mobley like I think it's really like we we focus on the one thing they don't have and a little bit too much without looking at like how much do they need of that one thing. So I look at this team and I go like part of my only hesitation is like, I don't think they're good enough to beat Milwaukee or Boston in a seven game series, but like they're weird things happen in the playoffs. Right. And things, it just kind of, uh, Dean Wade catches complete fire and shoots 60% for an entire series. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, I look at them and I go like, they got just about everything you can need. And Ricky Rubio cleared for play. Yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> Ricky Rubio's coming back. Just so. saying, like, I mean, they have Rubio. It's the best well, just you got have. I, I rescind. Um, <laughs> no, I think I'm going to, I am going to contradict myself a little bit, though, in that, you know, the, the, the spot you see where them taking that next step up is Mobley. And I think that I think that, you know, we've seen this all the time that year three is really when guys start to come into their own. And I think that that as much of it is of anything else is why we look towards next year, because I think that is the like having the one like the like the really one more dude who's at that very top level, which I think Evan Mobley can get to it just like this year's playoffs feel like it's going to it's going to be his first rodeo. And I think that's like. We, we've seen it enough that, you know, you need that first experience of getting of getting slapped by a good team. And I think that's the thing that's going to be 
ready for the next year. And the flip side, that's why I think Memphis is ready is they've had that. Uh, well, and I, I agree with you there. Uh, Memphis, number one, they've got John Morant, who just can get to the basket at will. And um, incredibly powerful tool to have in, in your tool belt. Desmond Bain, who's been out, you know, he's got this sprained toe. He's going to miss some more time. I, I have no doubt by the time the playoffs roll around, that guy is going to be 100%. Memphis, to me, has every single piece. And Zaire Williams has missed a lot of time. I mean, he's just like, they haven't been at full strength. And they still have just looked solid. And, and this is the sort of stuff, you know, we talked about this with Phoenix, you know, the last couple of years, we talked about it with Milwaukee. Like the good teams are able to withstand, you know, missing key pieces for stretches and, and they just figure out ways to win. And that's where I would kind of, you know, in, in the hierarchy here, I would have Memphis and, and New Orleans higher than Cleveland because I don't know that Cleveland can withstand, like, you know, Jared Allen was out and, and they were okay. But there was a clear drop off. And I think with Memphis and New Orleans, they miss guys all the time. And there isn't this huge drop off as of right now. I mean, you know, when the competition is greater, maybe there's a bigger drop off. But but as of right now, they've been able to withstand this. But that has to be concerning if they're missing guys all the time, because you need to be fully healthy in the playoffs to be a contender like that. Listen, they're not going to be a contender in the playoffs if Bain's out. Like if he's not playing, if he's not ready to go in the playoffs and, and granted look months, months from now, from now. So I'm not saying anything in terms of that, but just the, the idea of like, they have constantly do have guys that are in and out of the lineup. And it's like, that's great in the regular season. You're able to win those games, but when they get to the playoffs, it's going to get a lot tougher to do that. And I think that's the concerning thing with that. I'm not saying they're not a contender. I think in the West, Eight contenders. Like I just, I just think it's so wide open. Like it's not, you know, I, I can see a, a, a reason for both Memphis and New Orleans to get out of the Western Conference, just because this, this is such a tighter Western Conference than we're used to, in the sense of we haven't seen any separation after twenty twenty five games at this point from the top to you know the almost the bottom. I think it's 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 very interesting. I love the pieces that they have in Memphis. I'm going to take one shot at them. Uh-oh. Okay. I, D- Dylan Brooks. That's it. That's well, my hang shot. Hang on. Now, Dylan Brooks had a really nice game the other night. Dylan one. Brooks okay. is shooting 39% from the floor. Yeah. But, you know, he does He a does lot. the job. He's a pest. Who, 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 had, who had more shots yes, yesterday? Probably Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks or John Morant? Probably Dylan Brooks. I mean, it's Dylan Brooks' world. We're all just kind of getting by in it. I, I will who say took 12 threes. <laughs> what, how many did he hit, though? Five. There you go. He had a, okay, he had a decent night shooting. It's a great but night. But 12 threes is still way too many for and him. I, and I don't disagree with that. And then you got Jaron Jackson, who self-load manages by just fouling constantly still. Um, and, and that's going to be a thing that that pops up for them in the playoffs. I think they need, because, you know, everybody knows how I feel about Jaron Jackson. I think that there's not a lot of guys who have got his defensive feel. Um he needs to feel when he can make a play and when he can't. That's that's to me when he does that. That's turning the corner for him, and and they'll be unstoppable. Um, so they they've of course got I've got question marks too because they haven't done it, but I think they have like the pieces are actually there. They're assembled. It's just now making them all play together. You know, for four months in the playoffs. I mean, I think the 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 key was like over the last couple of years he's gotten better in his fouling tendencies, but. A lot of that is playing next to it, playing a four. He basically he fouls less. He he's not playing the four in the playoffs in a, in a high like 
Steven Adams, I think, can play in a playoff series. Steven Adams is maybe a 15-minute-a-game guy in a lot of playoff series. He can play against New Orleans. Yeah. Um, but can can Jaron Jackson play 32 minutes at center in a playoff game and not actually end up playing 16 minutes because he fouled himself out? I think that's, that's going to be probably one of the bigger question marks that they have. The other thing we also have to account for, and this is, again, unfair stuff, but it's fun to do in December. If the playoffs ended today, you know, who would you play in the first round and things like that? Cleveland's going to have a little bit of an easier road, I think, against, you know, potentially Indiana, who played really well, but I think they're dropping off now. And and Memphis is, would, would have Utah. And, you know, Utah's a little friskier. We just saw them beat the Warriors. I think there's a little bit in that stuff, even though they've dropped off. I think you have that fun little challenge in all of these things. I want to get to New Orleans. So. That's, that's who I want to talk about. Because um, you guys watched that Jose Alvarado performance last weekend? They've got this guy out there playing with Larry Nance, like they're Steph Curry and Draymond Green on offense. I mean, Willie Green has completely unleashed these guys in a way that I don't even know was justified. Like you can't say, oh yeah, Jose Alvarado should he's gonna take eleven threes in a game. I wouldn't have said that coming into this season. But you'd be okay with Dylan Brooks. Got it. Just, uh, well, sorry, you know, cheap shot, cheap shot. You can't stop Dylan Brooks, right? Like, I mean, you know, nobody's coaching. That's the problem. Nobody's coaching Dylan Brooks. To, <laughs> you can't by slow the way, him down. I can't believe we got through Memphis and didn't even mention that they're going to get Danny Green back for the playoffs. And we'll, we'll talk about that come playoff time, though. Um, that's but, honestly, if he's if he's got anything left, that's, a, that's kind of a big deal. That's huge because Dylan Brooks minutes Not go if he away. Play all year, but I, neither here nor there. Go, going back to New Orleans. <laughs> all right, so New Orleans, New Orleans just has they have. Really good players that play two ways, uh, you know, and and they again they have a system that allows them to not really miss a beat, and they're just really getting to the point where I, I think that they're figuring out how to use Zion. It's scary. My pause in New Orleans is I don't totally they have the number three or thereabouts defense in the league right now, and I don't totally understand how. Like there, there's some good defensive players there, but Herb Jones has missed some time. Jose Alvarado is a is a very pesky defender, but he plays twenty low twenties minutes a game. Zion has been better. Mo thinks he's been better than better. Um, but I, I you still there's a, there's a lot of like C J McCollum and Zion Williamson. I don't think Valanciunas has had a great defensive year. Um, Nance, are you saying this is Jedi defense that's helping? No, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's Jedi defense. Like, like some of their some of their underlying stuff is fine. It's just like I don't totally understand how they're getting there. Well, and and that just and it it it, so because I don't it it worries me. Well, just some things are beyond your comprehension, Seth. This just strike me down. (laughs) Well, because basketball is not a math equation, Seth. Uh, that's what we're getting at. You have to watch the game, Seth. <laughs> Not just obviously uh, fun. Fun. Let me look at my spreadsheet and see what my response to that should be. <laughs> yes, yes. Go check so, it out. Uh, Mo, what are they that. doing? Like, look, to be serious, uh, as serious as we can be about basketball, uh, what are they doing? It's not even like just one strategic thing or anything schematically. First with Zion, he gives a shit on defense now. Massive difference in where he was. You know, when he when he came into the league, we saw the way he played, the way he defended at Duke, and we were excited for how he could 
potentially defend in the NBA, and we hadn't seen it until now. And I think that's just a, an important aspect of it. Does he still have lapses? Yes. Like, are teams still going to try to put him in pick and rolls? Yes. But there's a little more effort behind it. You know, I know people hate when you say defense is all effort. It's not all effort, but some of it matters. You have to care. And I think that's a, a, a key component to it. The other thing, too, is they got long-ass wings. You know, across the board, Herb Jones, who's you can talk about as a potential defensive player of the year type guy. You have guys like, you know, Trey Murphy, long as hell. Larry Nance Jr. comes off the bench, long as hell. Like, you get, you have kind of the, the pieces you want to build a defense behind it. I think it struggles a little bit when Valanchunas and, and Zion are on the floor together. And I think it gets, it gets a little more difficult with those two and CJ. But once you kind of remove one from the equation, it gets a lot more interesting with their defense. I think Larry Nance has really unlocked a lot for them. Um, his passing, the fact that the ball doesn't stick when he's out there ever. Um, and, and defensively, he's been pretty damn good. Um, really good in help side coming over and, and protecting the basket. I mean, he's not like a conventional, you know, meet you at the rim, rim protector guy, but he's pretty good as a help underneath. And I think that, that, that this is something that that's come up a lot. I mean, going back to, you know, when I was with the bucks, like Larry Nance was a guy we looked at and it was like, you know, play put him at the fight, and we always every time he looked, it's like, well, they his teams get smashed rebounding when he's playing the five, and so you just again, it's 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 working. Will it continue to do so? I don't know. It it's it's this is this is probably like my my weakness as an analyst is is I'm very much show me on some things, and New Orleans. If New Orleans showed me, I wouldn't be surprised, but they need to show me. I wouldn't be shocked. I would be surprised, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, can't, you can't talk about stuff unless you've seen them do it, right? Everything's theoretical until they do it consistently. And, and I would argue that at this point in the season, you know, we're, we're seeing some maybe some trends, right? But we, we can't say this is definitive about this team. No, I, I think the ultimate thing, and here's the other thing that we're, we haven't talked about yet in this discussion because we just focused on their defense. They also, it, it, very similar to Memphis, and it's the same concern. They haven't been healthy. They've only had 10 games where they've had their 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 main three guys in Zion, Ingram, and uh, CJ. And that group has a net rating of 16.5 in a very limited time. But, like, that's impressive with the way they're doing things. You know, I think you got to give a shout-out to Willie Green. I mean, this is type of coach of the year type of stuff. I know it's probably going to go to Jay King's Mike Brown, but like I think the uh, uh, what about Will oh, Hardy? I, listen, man, guys, yeah. there are and this is this is going to be a big topic for us at some point. Just not a lot of bad coaches anymore. We say this every year. I know this is just where we're at right now. Like the coaching level in the NBA has gone up. You know, each year has gone up a notch where you're pretty impressed with it. But when I look at it with New Orleans, like New Orleans really legitimately does have a chance. To, to, to come out like a lot of if they could stay healthy, you know, and I think, you know, we for the longest time have banked on experience in the playoffs mattering. Phoenix went to the finals. They had never been to the playoffs, you know, and I, and, and, oh, Seth just made the massive yeah. look, look face and all of that stuff. But I think like, you know, and, and, and right. We know all the caveats that go with it. Still freaking unbelievable. Young guys that have never been into it. CJ's been through the playoffs and been through a bunch of them, been to the conference finals and had a run. This team made it to the playoffs last year and pushed those six, those, those sons to six games. 
Like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility here. Looking at it, going like this team can't just the way the West is stacked. This team, there's no reason to believe this team can't do it if they can sustain this. I was I was a a much firmer believer that that you know we overrated experience, and then in ahead of that Phoenix run, I was like, I think they're the best team in the West, but they would be the only team that would that of recent team that has been comparably inexperienced to make the finals was the first Warriors title team. So those are like the two teams. And so that's like, that does give me pause. Okay. Dial that back now to the conference finals. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, now it's a lot more, yeah. more yeah, teams right. that have that's made right. runs into the conference. That's finals. right. And if you get to the conference final, that's right. You're four wins away from getting to the finals. Like there's, it's not, it's, it's just not, inconceivable and shout out to the movie princess bride um but it's it's not a a a a wild thought for me with any of these three teams i like that point part of the i like that point a lot yeah just part of the playoffs is crazy shit happens i mean the mavs were in the western conference finals last year and none of us expected them to be there this this, so this gets back to that that actually brings up a question and the question we've been asking ourselves about the Mavs all summer is, are they a team that went to the Western Conference Finals or are they a Western Conference Finals team? And I think we're, I think we thought, and I think this year so far is borne out. And so, yeah, could they make the Conference Finals? Yes, but I think that's, that is a, a slightly different question than the one we're asking. That said, the fact that, that we have to consider whether they might be just straight up a Conference Finals team, and I know that's like, a sub, like kind of playing semantic games, but I think it, I think it's material. I, I think that the fact that they're even in that conversation indicates, you know, where they are. Um, I actually wish we colored. Dudes. I also, I, I wish we colored more uh, of the conversations in, in a sense of like final four instead of just finals, because there is a little bit of, um, you know, uh, four out of seven games, anything can happen. Legitimately, especially when you get to that point. So you know, I, I like that little bit of a distinction. Like if they make a conference finals run, I, I would not be shocked because they are good enough. They have the talent for it. Willie Green, I think it has shown the coaching acumen. I mean, look at look at what he did la- again last year. They pushed Phoenix to six games. I, I don't think that Willie Green got out coached. You know, those guys got outplayed. Um, and that happens, but I, it wasn't coaching and it wasn't even talent. It was, you know, experience, I, I would argue. The Suns had that going for them. And the important thing, and Seth kind of just muttered this a little bit under his breath, is they got dudes. They have a lot. Up and down that roster. And what, and, and, and what they have in that is versatility. We can go big. We can go small. We can go super big. We can go super small. And, and, and. There's nobody that's coming in where you're like, all right, hold on, guys. We got so and so's minutes. Let's 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 see if we can hold it. You know, kind of coming in like that's the problem when you look at Denver and Dallas. Luca goes out, Jokic goes out. You're going like, oh crap, man. Can we can we hold on to whatever lead we've built? You know, and I think that's an important distinction with them and also Memphis because they got dudes too. Not only do they. Both teams have a lot of dudes. They have a lot of young dudes, and then they have a lot of draft assets. And we're, you know, we're not doing the trade pod yet. Next week, December fifteenth, unofficially kicks off trade preseason. You know, until January fifteenth, when the rest of those contracts can be traded. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see one of these teams 
you know, get a guy who can come in as a seventh or eighth guy to just, you know, bolster their bench or something like that. And they've got the pieces to do it. This is what a luxury to have built from within like this. How good do you have to be to be like the eighth guy on New Orleans? I don't know. I mean, man, you like, be, like, like, Danny you know, you're, Green you're, like, who are you supplanting? You're supplanting like Trey Murphy or something like yeah. that. And he's like, you know, that, that thing, we barely touched on him. And he's been like, that's another big thing for him is him. He has grown in year two. And then Girl. like their fifth wing is Najee Marshall, who's a like a solid player. Like this is, you know, we say you can never have enough big wings. And I think what we're saying about New Orleans is not you're 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 making me talk myself into them just in the course of this conversation. <laughs> I'm getting excited about that. I'm getting excited about them now. The only thing we can't happen have happen is these two teams meet in the conference finals. Cause I'm gonna go and I can't afford the weight I'm gonna gain by eating the food in Memphis and New Orleans. So that's like the only thing we can't allow is the two of them to meet in the conference finals. Sign me up for seven games of that. Oh, so if, if we're going to do the, the conference the finals are, trip. are if the conference finals are Boston and Milwaukee and New Orleans and Memphis, I am here for that. And how much are the networks rooting for the Celtics? Oh God. <laughs> but I think it'd be amazing. Be a ton of fun with that kind of being just the final four. And in, in general though, I just think, these three teams, and this is the, the the caveat that we started with, you know, we were always so focused on next year for them. We didn't look at this year as maybe as closely as we should. Because I think we had these conversations when the, the Cavs traded for Mitchell and we were like, oh, no, next year, one more year type deal and things like that. But the, you said it from the beginning, Dave. The future is now for these teams. And if you have trade assets and you're those teams, you got to make that move now. Because you don't know how long your window is going to last in the NBA. And I think that's an important one. And Seth just threw some yeah. stupid wrestling freaking <laughs> hand motion in there. He doesn't think I caught By it. Way, don't I we... saw Dave's silly smile on the video. Yeah, nobody caught it because it's an audio yeah. medium. No, is, but is, I'm is, letting is it them the window know or is it the hallway? Remember, oh, we're, 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 we talk about hallways. All right. Now part. we're in the weeds. That's what that's called. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's show, folks. Promote a kill. And Seth part now. I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. I gotta go, Dave. Come on. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show.